This episode of the Busted Wide Open podcast is brought to you by Blueberry. Blueberry offers the best media hosting, accurate listening stats, and their all-new PowerPress Deluxe Sites, a no-setup WordPress website for your podcast with all the necessary links to share your show with the world built right in. If you currently produce a podcast and are looking for a better host, or if you're looking to start a new one from scratch, head over to orbitaljigsaw.com slash BWO and sign up for the best media hosting and a PowerPress Deluxe site to get your first month absolutely free. That's orbitaljigsaw.com slash BWO or just use the promo code BWO at checkout for your first month absolutely free. And now, enjoy the show. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the only two-time PWG Battle of Los Angeles champion, King Ricochet, and you are listening to Busted Wide Open Podcast. You're listening to the Busted Wide Open Podcast, dropping the elbow on the hottest topics in sports entertainment and the world of professional wrestling, with your hosts, Nick Howell and Sir Ian Dangerous. Coming to you from the Orbital Jigsaw Network Arena in sunny Southern California. Welcome back to the Busted Wide Open Podcast, our patron mailbag series. Uh, This is episode number 11. My name is Nick Howell. And I am Sir Ian Dangerous. And yes, Nick, it is another edition of our patron mailbag where the patrons who help us run this show ask us questions and we answer them here for all of you. If you would like to ask us a question and be on this show, you can do so. Just head on over to patreon.com forward slash BWO. Sign up for one of our affordable tiers and you too could be asking us questions and hearing them, uh, hearing us rack our brains for answers here on the show, uh, which is always Interesting. I'm glad we warm up, Nick. We do a show right before this where we do our regular Saturday show. And I'm glad I warm up for this because if I went into this cold after waking up, after getting like six hours of sleep and working the night before, it would be a lot more difficult to rip out some of these answers because, man, our patrons give us some awesome, difficult, fun to think about questions. And I really do appreciate it. Uh, So thank you to everyone who does give us questions already. And if you think you can get us some even better ones, sign up for Patreon and join us right here on the mailbag episode yes as always guys come over and join us on facebook in the busted wide open discussion group just search for busted wide open on facebook just, uh, like our page and send us a join request get in there get into discord too you'll find the links for it there it's where we do all the real lifetime uh, lifetime those are those christmas movies are going on right lifetime now. yeah live chats for all of the uh, pay-per-views happening as well as all the shows throughout the week uh, you can real, have real-time chats about them. You guys can tell I'm starting to get really tired. It's been a long week. Apologies about that. You can also find us over on Twitter and Instagram at BWO Podcast. Make sure you're following us there and streaming live here on YouTube every Tuesday at 8 p.m. Eastern and every Saturday at 3 p.m. Eastern at YouTube.com slash Busted Wide Open. We're on a race to 1,000 subscribers. Probably not going to get there. we got about two weeks left, but I'd be willing to take a surprise <laughs> if you guys could get it done. If we get Christmas to a thousand, miracle. Yeah, if we could get a Christmas miracle and get a thousand subscribers by the end of the year, you guys would be in for a treat. But any subscribers, thank you very much for your subscriptions. And make sure you jingle that notification bell so that you get alerted anytime we go live or put up new content. Ian, let's not waste any time. Let's get right into the questions. Bring it um, on. First one is up by Jacob. 
What yes. wrestler, one male and one female, do you think is the most improved wrestler this year? Any promotion? Ooh. Ooh. Uh, most improved. Most improved. Well, you know, okay. Mm. It depends on what you mean by improved, as in like their technical ability has gotten better or they're just in a better spot. And they're getting booked better? <laughs> whatever. Yeah. Most improved. Um, an easy choice would be Bray Wyatt. Certainly more, probably better to be Bray Wyatt now than Bray Wyatt this time last year. Until they ruin it uh, again. Right. Well, I'm just, we're talking about from then to one year, 365 days, Nick, is what we're talking about. Right. Uh, him or Kenta would be my other one. Uh, a lot better to be Kenta now than than a year ago, uh, basically putting people over in the cruiserweight division. So, um, for the guys, I mean, that's as far as like where they are uh, in the world of wrestling. That's certainly uh, looking. Things are looking a lot brighter for them in terms of. Well, let's see, women uh, who's most improved since last year. God, I wish I could say Bailey because they finally gave her something to do, but nope. Not her. Um, man, a woman's really tough. I'm trying to think who would even... My women's one is easy. I'll throw oh, mine out really, there. Please, please um, give it to me because I'm Asuka. stuck. From a year ago, Asuka. She was beating Becky Lynch a year ago at the Royal Rumble. Ooh, well, she won to, the... To she being won. a tag champ? Well, I just... Is that, is that the better? Heel, is that the heel turn, I think, is she's being booked stronger in the heel turn. To, with the forget the belts, forget the titles and the changes and stuff, but I think I like the way she's being booked now. Uh, other than just a generic Japanese wrestler, a you know, I, I don't. I, there was that misunderstanding about how to get that, but I think with the mist, with the persona, with the Kabuki Warriors, with the new song, it's all kind of hit a stride at this point, right here at the end of the year, and that's it's the first one that I think of um, across the board of just presence. We can hmm. certainly go down each little category of mic right. skills and performance and in-ring ability. I mean, we could have the superlatives conversation, but the one that jumps out to me, uh, and yeah, probably because I'm a huge mark for her as well as Oscar. Well, definitely, uh, definitely a strong argument there. I would have to say, uh, uh, if I really thought about it, Rhea Ripley. Yeah, that's think it. how far she's think how far she's coming in a year. Um, and you know, for someone who's just been wrestling for, you know, two and a half, three years, like how good she is in what a short period of time, it's wild. Um, mm. so that, that's going to be my, yeah, pull that one out of the sky. I'm struggling on the men's. I think everybody's, uh, still kind of, I mean, Alberto Carrillo. Everybody's I don't know, man. Kind of was, at this point where I, his they position were. maybe, but I've been calling that guy blue chips as I first laid eyes on him uh, out of his uh, mask. So well, I get that, but I'm just saying if I mean everybody else that I'm thinking about is still kind of at the same spot, roughly that they were a year ago. Bray Wyatt obviously is a different one there, um, but improved. Have they? Yeah. Have they improved? Uh, that's where mm. I'm struggling. Hmm. Miz uh, as a face has improved. Has he? I miss. I miss heel. I like. I'm liking face Miz. I like what they're doing with him right now. But I. I do. I. I admit. I admit. I miss heel Miz. Yeah. I do. But you know, he's, everyone's got to go through these things. It's fine. Like, 
he can be a face for a while. It's 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 fine. It's Esme fine. says Corbin in the chat, and I'm going Constable Corbin, King Corbin, kind of the same thing. Not a he, lot going but on, but he's higher on the card. He's getting more consistent reactions. It's not quite as wishy washy. Like people are more. I think people are coming around on the fact that he's actually executing what he's supposed to be doing. Yeah, I don't I know, know. Most I know improved. Who my, I, don't know, I know who my definitely. mail is now. I know. Oh my. John Moxley. Oh, you mean this for the question? John Moxley. Moxley. Ooh. That's that's my most improved for the year. Between the G1, basically running the card on the G1B block mm. for the whole tournament, uh, his presence in AEW, his appearance at Double or Nothing, um, you know, all of that stuff. Uh, John Moxley. That's my favorite for the year for the men's. Yeah. Uh, I, I can't disagree. And Jacob, yes, I'll give a hat tip to Lance Archer as well. The new Mohawk evil heel Lance Archer is magnificent. Jesus, yeah, he he definitely improved his stakes. That, that's in half a year, six months. That guy went, yeah. took it right off. So, totally, yeah. totally. Good question, Jacob. Thank you very much. Yep. Good way to kick us off as well. Next up, we got Marshall. Uh, what wrestling moment has left you speechless and always gives you goosebumps when you see it again? For me, it was AJ's debut at the Royal Rumble when the words, I am phenomenal, slowly faded in. And the crowd knew right away. Thanks for the great content and can't wait to see what 2020 brings. Also hope Nia Jax likes her new crib. <laughs> so far, so good. She's got yeah. a nice hat on I over mean, there. she was the first, uh, for you guys, for the record, she was the first thing to go up <laughs> in the new studio. Was. One, because I didn't want her to get crushed. Uh, I hand carried her over here. The movers didn't bring her. Uh, um, but I wanted her did to... Cra- did, you, did you cradle her in your arms on the way over? Uh, if By cradling her, you mean trifolded her back up into her original position <laughs> yes uh but oh i didn't want that crease to come back so i i had her but yeah she was the first thing in here that that stood up uh what wrestling moment has left you speechless and always gives you goosebumps when you see it again <sighs> this one's easy for me it's super easy for me go for it uh i mean, i almost kind of want you to go first just because i feel like i don't know how you're gonna top this but um if i look around myself here in the old danger cave uh, I am surrounded by, I've got a signed Cactus Jack shirt up there. I've got a signed Mick Foley poster right here. I have a little Mick Foley bobblehead. I'm surrounded by Mick Foley stuff. My sign-off for the show is Jim Ross's call after Mick Foley fell off the cage. I hate to be that basic wrestling fan, <laughs> but there's a reason it's iconic. I and that is, that is the Hell in a Cell match with Mick Foley. That is... There, that there, I can I can actually take that match, and I've I've seen Mick live um, doing his like breakdown of that Hell in a Cell match because it is one of those things that like it's become iconic for so many reasons. But even before I saw that, I could walk you through that match and give you like a second by second breakdown of everything that's happening and all the most all the incredible stuff, you know, the inside scoops and all that crap, um, and. I, I I am obsessed with that match because it's just it's a car crash of a match. It's not even a match really. It kind of turns into sort of a match, but it's it really is a car crash, and it's something that should never be repeated. Like I fully understand that. It's not like it's a stunt show. Um, it's not something that you you want to try to repeat, at least not on that level. They've tried to repeat it, but made it safe, and you know it's not the same thing because they you can tell they've, they're making it safe and so you don't have that same feeling of oh my god I might be watching someone die and there is that aspect of that horrible horrible 
aspect to that match when you first watch it. Rewatching it now, thankfully, I don't have to experience that like gut wrenching fear, and so I can just enjoy it as something that is absolutely bonkers insane. Um, and it gives me goosebumps every time I watch it to to answer this question specifically. Um, and I can't say it leaves me speechless per se because I could you know I could speak a million words about it. But when I'm watching it, I'm definitely just there, just eyes wide, jaw on the floor every time. Holy crap! How did this actually happen? So that that would be mine. Mm. There's several here that are coming to mind, but none of them are like jumping way out in front of each other. Um, before there was Super Roman and there was Super Cena, and before Super Cena there was the glass shatter and Stone Cold. And every time that glass would shatter, I would just, because he would come out and interrupt. He was going to come out and beat the McMahons down. It just And going back and looking at some of those on the network or on YouTube or something like that, just those interruptions where you'd hear the glass shatter. Still I'm surprised that you went for Stone Cold. I'm surprised you went for Stone Cold with that as opposed to, if you saw, like one of those. It yeah. wasn't as big of a, it wasn't the glass shatter. I don't know that they'll ever okay. have another glass shatter. It was, it right. was lightning in a bottle, you know, for, at the, they're just never going to do that again. But those are just as good. I was gonna the one that I was rattling around was Rock's tearing down of people in a way. Um, he was one of the, if not the best, at doing that. You know, we got all of the catchphrases out of the Rock in what two, three years. So yeah, that was an amazing time. Anytime I watch Rock promo, I go back to Ric Flair in studio in NWA. Some of those promos that he did, and I just, I just sit there and watch him and just go. Oh, my the God. Tear, the tear in my eye promo after the Royal Rumble 92 is still one of those ones I always tear get goosies out. Uh, st- st- there was one after Starcade with the Horseman. The one with the $600 lizard shoes is probably still my favorite one. <laughs> Can't keep these gates down. <laughs> no, just, and I did it wearing these $600, $600 lizard, custom lizard shoes. <laughs> I just And every time it just makes me <laughs> <laughs> And I get those little chilly, but it just... <gasps> there's several of those, uh, Marshall, that just I will go back and rip, watch on repeat. It, the, the, the superpowers with Mean Gene, you know... And the cream of the crop. I mean, just, a lot of mine are promos. Yeah, and it's funny. To, it's funny to think about that. I've never thought about it that way. But a lot of the things I remember in wrestling aren't like big epic matches. They're promos and the drama and the things like that that come along with that. Certainly, you could say uh, Omega Okada in the last couple of years. You could say um, certainly. I go back and watch those. You go back and watch. Hell, just go back to the G One this year and watch Sonata almost beat Okada. Oh god! With the drama of that, running it to ten the time. seconds left. Oh yeah! Just and, and everybody, if you were watching the G one, was all in on it. So something like those kind no, of Sonata. Moments. Sonata did beat Okada in the G one, and it was it blew my mind. With ten seconds left, we thought it was going to go to a time draw. Ten seconds left, he beats him, but then he loses, and when he gets to the title shot, but right. it was still like, oh my god, that that ten seconds left in that match. Oh my god, what a yeah. match that was! Yeah. So lots of stuff for me, I guess, are built around drama. Uh, the anticipation of of, of something, mm. you know. Well, thank you very much, Marshall, for the question there. Next up, Abraham. Uh, congrats on the move, Nick. This, uh, thank you very much, Abraham. Appreciate it. This week, I have a simple question, not hard at all. When will AEW mm. realize that the more and more they throw shade at WWE on their show, it could possibly be damning for them in the long run? He feels like the show quality is slowing, is slowly going down. A lot more negative comments lately about the product. I don't agree with all of it, but I think the throwing shade is starting to get old. I, I, I 
yeah, I don't agree with this at all. Oh wow. Okay, you you like the shade? I, I don't I don't consider it shade. Um, I think the, the we'll use this week as an example. Uh, Jericho and Moxley. Jericho using a lot of the throwbacks to the history of Moxley was super powerful for me. It really made like if you if he hadn't sat there and rattled all those off, I remember them on their own, but I sure. wouldn't have put it all together like he did so brilliantly right. and make that feel that much more important and that much bigger. I think Cody coming out. A double or nothing and slamming a sledgehammer into a Triple H throne, of of course. Covered in Maltese crosses, yes, of course. That sucks. That's stupid. I haven't seen him do that since. Really? I thought it was cute. It was it was a little fine. Um, but I think the quality has actually taken a bit of a turn uh, for the better. I felt like it's been a little bit of a – had a bit of a screw loose as they found their way, but I'm starting to see like actual narrative outside the women's division. I'm, I'm going to put that asterisk there. I've seen narrative and storyline developing, mm, and we've yeah. got things that are in motion, and MJF with a ring and heel turn and on Cody, and we've got Jericho as a badass champ forming a faction. We've got things developing over time. So I, I'm, I'm seeing it get better. I'm enjoying it more than I did when it debuted, if I'm being honest mm-hmm. with you. So that's my thoughts. Yeah. What do you think? Well, it's it's interesting because I don't know that they're throwing that much shade. There's a couple of things here and there. Uh, the the worst one was the television commercial, and that was apparently TNT and not even AEW's fault. Um, but mm. I so I'm not really seeing that there's a lot of shade being thrown. There's a couple of references getting thrown out there every once in a while, like little jabs in promos and whatnot. But I'm not seeing like out and out full on sh- like sh- I, I remember how WCW used to go for WWE back in the day like they used to go for them like for the neck and off especially this is nothing this is nothing compared to what those, those guys were doing back then and it's fascinating to see that even with the limited amount that they're doing it and this is not just it's abraham either like i'm hearing a lot of people that are like oh, i wish they would just not mention wwe and it's on one hand i'm like Yes, I I don't agree with tribalism, and I I prefer people just be able to enjoy everything, and you don't have to pick a side. Um, but at the same time, like I don't really mind if there's a little kind of playful jab throwing here and there. If they're really going for the jugular on it, and they're trying to kill each other, and trying to make make their fans believe that the anyone who watches WWE is evil, uh, and we're the only wrestling company out there, like that, I don't agree with, and that I would I would absolutely abhor. Right. Um, but like. You know, Jericho saying something like that was a bad gimmick from bad creative or something like that. You know, there's a, there's a part of me that kind of goes, oh, 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 you know what I mean? It's it's relatively harmless, in my opinion, at that level. Should they base their whole creative around it at, on AEW? Should they base their whole brand around it? No, absolutely not. It should not even be something that's regular on TV. Like it's something that just pops up here and there. Um and I, but I don't think that they're turning into that as much or even enough to say that they need to be worried about it. Um, I, you know, so I, I, I don't see it being something that's a regular occurrence, regular enough that uh, it would be damning for them in the, wrong, in the long run to speak to this question specifically. Yeah. Um, not at the level they're doing it. I'll put it that way. Yeah. If they start doing a lot more, then yes, I could see it be something that, that would become a problem. But the, at the, the current level they're doing it, no. The NXT campaign commercial tearing it down was That's what an, a perfect example of what you do not want to do. The yeah, wrestlers do themselves taking little pot shots and jabs and things like that. Cody 
cutting a promo on Jericho and saying, when we used to work at that other company, there was a wall, a visible wall around the ropes. That's all harmless and innocent and fun. That's and cute. for those That's of cute. us fans that have been along for the ride for 20 plus years, we love that kind of stuff. It geeks us out because, oh, yeah, I know what he's talking about. Yeah. yeah. We. That's really I don't see a is. problem with it because well because it's not creating that kind of tribalism where you'd have the negativity being created between fans of the different products. Oh, they're doing that and all by themselves. Fan. The fans are doing that all by themselves. <laughs> That's kind of my point. I didn't. They shouldn't. They shouldn't be feeding into that specifically. No. no exactly. Um, so, yeah. Tribalism never bad. Splitting aside. Enjoy. Look at the look at the ratings this week. Exact. Right. Nearly exactly the same. Is yeah. it half that amount of folks flipping, or is it the same amount of folks flipping back and forth, or pay, picture in picture watching both on two different monitors, or? How how do they, it's because we all enjoy both products and we, as we should and we should be thankful that in 2019 we had we've gotten both and I don't think that there's any kind of you know negativity going on really there. Thank That's, you very much, Mar Abraham. Marshall, oh, Marshall's pointed out in the chat. He said during the Charlotte show when we were calling Jericho a stupid dick, he came back with what? Katie Vick. That's cute, man. Come on, it's funny. Yeah, that's. That's the kind of like little jab throwing that I think is fun. And that's how good Jericho is. Yep. Mm, that's who. Thank you, Abraham. Next up, Brian, the champ, current champ, BWO Pickham's champion. Brian Average. Out of any wrestlers that you have had any type of interaction with or met in person, what was your oh, what was your fa I have three already. What was your <laughs> favorite or most memorable interaction and who was the wrestler? So you go first because I have to tell a story here. Oh, geez. Um uh, I'm trying to think of because I've got a couple too. Um, damn, I wish you'd gone first because now I kind of I kind of want to brainstorm about okay, which one. Okay, you brainstorm out story time. Which story want to? Because you you yeah you ha you already know yours. I don't know mine yet. Yeah. So go ahead. The first PWG show Sir Ian Dangerous ever took me to <laughs> was uh, before they transitioned to the Globe. It was at the uh, American Legion in Reseda. No air conditioning, and they sold beer by the pitcher. So Nick loves beer, and it was really hot, as it tends to get in the San Fernando Valley during the summer. I think it was August or September or something. So like peak peak heat in a tiny little building with no ceilings or anything. I mean, everybody was there. It was Battle of Los Angeles, right? The finals of Battle of Los Angeles. Uh, and Meltzer was there, to put it in perspective. Like it's Everybody was there. So my this is my first exposure to it, and it's like wood paneling walls and all that kind of stuff. I had heard about and seen PWG, but I had never gone. So, I mean, everybody was there. Ricochet, Keith Lee, Matt Riddle, Jeff Cobb. Just Zach Sieber Jr. Bunch of people, right? I'm sorry. It was, yeah, it was Bolas. I mean, was, everyone was there. Yeah, I'm hammering these pitchers. I think I was had three or four of them. And about three hours into the event, Ian said he was looking over at me, and I was just green, and I was just going. By the way, was, I, this, is, this is in Reseda in the summer. Yeah. It was 115 degrees in this room. Yeah. The notorious sweat box. It, yeah. was, it was a billion degrees in I there. felt like I had been dipped in a pool. My, all of my clothing was soaking wet, and everybody was miserable. But we were all slamming on the walls and saying, Keith Lee. Keith Lee. Yeah. Just every just that place was so loud and the energy was up and you're just like, oh my God, it's so cold and refreshing. I'm just gonna keep drinking this beer. Everything's over. I start fading <laughs> at some point. At, everything's over. Everybody's bailing out of that place because it's so hot. I immediately made a beeline to the nearest dumpster <laughs> and just brah, just all the beer <laughs> came back out. And then oh, I uh went back inside and bought a t-shirt from Ricochet and got him to do the bumper 
that you heard at the beginning of the show today. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I had a nice conversation with go. him too. Yeah, it was cool. very nice conversation with him. Yeah. yeah. Um, Ricochet was it's, awesome. Yeah, Ricochet is a good dude. Uh, all those cats were good dudes, man. Uh, but that was a that was a fun event. And uh, and thank I you had to, to have stupid, stunk to high heavens of beer and vomit. <laughs> thank you to stupid sexy Flanders for hanging out with that, with us on yeah. that one. Um, uh, and actually, if you watch the was it night three of Bola uh, from that year, whatever it was sixteen or seventeen, you actually 17. see us sitting up against sitting see us sitting up against the walls over on the side. We're, yeah. we're pretty easy to, to see. Um, great seats, but uh, no, that is a good one. Uh, damn, I'm still I'm still torn on mine. Um, we got to get moving, so you can't be torn too much longer. I know. Just pick one. I know. I don't want to. Um, How nice Jeff Cobb smelled when you met him. Jeff Cobb did smell quite nice. Yes. Um, I'm going to – I'm going to – I'm torn. Okay, because I've got one where it's just I want to talk really nicely about this dude. Okay. Everyone – he's not really a wrestler, though. This is the problem. I'm kind of – I'm torn between two good ones. Okay. One is Josh Barnett coming to Monday Midnight Metal Madness. Cool. And he's technically, I guess he's a wrestler now, but he's known more as an MMA guy. Um, and I do, now this is where Nick and I met too, was at uh, Monday Midnight Metal Madness at, at my bar, which is where I do a, a heavy metal night. And Josh Barnett also to, runs to, bar wrestling downtown, correct? No, no. He does, he does blood sport. But, uh, you're blood thinking sport. of Joey Ryan. I'm thinking yeah. of Ryan, yeah. Yeah, but uh, Barnett has been. I've I've seen him at, around a bunch of places. But uh, Josh Barnett came in and hung out for Midnight Metal Madness. Had a bunch of requests for metal because he's a big metalhead himself, uh, big whiskey guy himself. And he and I were talking whiskey for a while. We talked for a while about how him working with AJ Styles and basically shot the shit. Um, and I've I've caught up with him a few more times since then. But he was just a super cool guy and spent the whole night hang as much as I could hanging out because I'm trying to work and at the same time I'm trying to like you know hang with Josh Barnett. Uh, but very good dude. Also just a gigantic unit of a human being and very <laughs> soft-spoken, nice guy. Um, I was torn between that and the time that, that I was working security at a, at a hotel and uh, Kevin Nash was standing next to me. I was standing between Kevin Nash and Shaquille O'Neal waiting for taxis. And uh, Kevin Nash put his, rested his hand on, or rested his arm on my head. <laughs> just, oh, wow. I don't know. We're just standing there. just, Rested on my head, and he's like, "You okay, little buddy?" I was like, "Uh, what the fuck is going on?" Uh, anyway, yeah. So those are those are my two stories. Esme in the chat says we need to hear the story of how the two of us met and first impressions, and I'm pretty sure we've done that yeah. uh, either on a bonus episode story. or one of these mailbag episodes. That's uh, guarantee we've done a guarantee we've done this mailbag episode. I can go back and see which one it was. It yeah. was. We'll figure it out. I know where it is. Have. I think we did we did an AMA at one point, Nick, and during the AMA. That's what it was. It was the yeah. November was it November uh no, October bo- no, we did Lucha uh might have been September. Okay, well, we'll go back and look. We'll yeah. let you know. It's the bonus yeah. episode that's called AMA. AMA mailbag yep. or listener mailbag or something like that as Yeah. Yeah. Check that one story. out. Uh, thank you very much, Champ. Uh, look forward to your title defense at Royal Rumble uh, here in a couple of months or six weeks. Next up, Martin. Uh, yeah, Martin, we're not going to get to this one today. <laughs> we're just going to give you a heads up. You have all the rosters. Build a faction for each Raw, SmackDown, NXT, AEW, New Japan, and oh! Impact. Oh, my God. I mean, we could pick one. Uh, uh, build, a, build a faction? Uh... Uh, yeah, that's a I'd, that's, I'd have that's to a lot. Think about that one. 
Oh my! The, um, we can't do like tw- twelve bonus episodes. And I don't <laughs> have these, all the rosters. I don't. I don't have them all like laid out in front of me. Yeah. Plus, I mean, also to speak to this, New Japan already is like basically one big bunch of factions. Um, are we building a faction? Just or, uh, yeah, I'm not sure. Hmm. Yeah, that's this would be a lot to do that, mm. Martin. Um, let's. Could put Build that on the list of potentials for future bonus episodes if we wanted to. I think that'd be yeah. easier. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That that's this We're could already be booked a fun through one, like, February, I believe, at this point. Build we, like a build like a cool faction, and then once we build the factions, Nick, for each one, fantasy. Uh, we have to go make it fit well, or oh god, you and your fantasy booking, uh, or just uh, make it make them in in well two K. I would say two K twenty, but that thing is such a hunk of junk. If they ever patch it. We'll do it in 2K20. I'm waiting on it. I got everything set up again. I'm getting ready to start oh, building it. I got like two weeks off for the holidays. It's getting ready to start happening. So those of you that are subscribed to the or followed the Twitch channel, be on the lookout for those alerts. It's coming. Uh, I, all I know is I, I mean, would love to see, like I would love to see Ricochet and Randy Orton team up. Like that's for some reason I'm just loving every time they interact. Like just weird. I know. Right. I just love I, their, I, they've had some interactions recently. I built a few back in May or June whenever we did my Knicks fantasy booking for the first half of the year. Um True, I, you did. I, I called the phenomenal ones, but they turned out to be the OC. And then I had you know, Finn Balor basically joining up with them. I, that's still one I would love to see happen uh, down the road, but probably won't, to be realistic. Uh, kind and of then, a, that's kind of a gimme. That's kind of a gimme one. Well, yeah, now. But back in then, when I was writing it, it felt a little crazy, right? It felt fresh and new. That's kind of the point. Uh, right, yeah. I, wasn't t- I wasn't biting on Bullet Club at all. <laughs> Well, thank you very much, Martin. We will look into that one more. Let's let's put that one on the list, Sir Ian, as a candidate for a bonus episode in the future because I think that could be a lot of fun. Um, I am building uh, at least two so far new stable slash factions going into the second half of the fantasy booking. So stay tuned for that. Shooting to have that out to you guys by the end of January. So uh, stay tuned. Uh, let's go next to Andy, the former champ champ, Andy Jessup. Are AEW realizing that as much as they preach offering an alternative to WWE, it's not always possible? One example is the hidden camera that was in that jobber's room during the Dark Order promo. Yes. Okay. Yeah, good call. Good call. Um, um, I, you know what's funny? This is something that I've been thinking about recently is how much AEW is kind of aping the tropes of WWE almost as though they're worried that's the only language that their viewers are going to understand is that style of presentation. And they could, if they wanted to, really go off the rails and try a whole new different presentation, a la New Japan, a la Lucha Underground. Um, but they're, you know, kind of like what TNA did was basically become WWE Lite. And they have, that's a really, um, that's a good question by, by the former champ champ and something that I think that, um, AEW does like it's a it's something that they need to be very careful of is not becoming WWE light, um, yeah. and just being there as the alternative to WWE because all that is is setting themselves up as a secondary lesser tier of WWE, which is ultimately what the perception of TNA was. So, you know, yeah, they they need every single decision that they make in terms of production needs to be considered and said how does how does this make us Look, how does this stay consistent across the entire product? Um, and that's one thing where they, you know, as a quote-unquote alternative to WWE, it would show because WWE doesn't give a crap 
about keeping things consistent across all of its shows and all of, even all of its you know week to week shows. Like things don't stay consistent even from one week SmackDown to the next. Um, and that lack of consideration that and that somewhat controlled chaos is something that people have grown to not like about WWE or have never liked about WWE. And so if you want to be a WWE alternative and not be WWE light, like creating an environment where there is that consistency with your presentation, even if it has some elements of WWE presentation in it, keeping those things consistent uh, so that we know that you're paying attention to them and it feels more professional than WWE sometimes does, that right there would go, I think, a long way uh, for them with that kind of perception. No, I mean, as far as I'm concerned, uh, they need to be paying more attention to NXT than the main roster WWE shows because that's what they're up against. They're not up against Raw and SmackDown. They're not in that league yet. You get to a million and a half viewers every Wednesday night at 8 o'clock, then you can, you know, you'll, you'll have somebody's attention. But, I mean, you got to double what you're doing now before you're really going to be a comparison to those two from – from the cable TV standpoint, from the advertiser standpoint, from the things that matter to you as a business standpoint. But for just wrestling, I mean, are they, as much as they preach offering an alternative, it's not always possible. Yeah, they're doing a lot of the same stuff. They have entrances, they have tag teams, they have multiple titles, they have personalities and heels and faces. And it's, it's more about wrestling, you know, uh, archetypes than it is about. Uh, anything to do with WWE versus AEW. Can they put on a... Are they trying to garner the same audience that WWE does? Yes. That's exactly who they're going after, and they have to be a little bit like WWE to make sure that they get that audience. The numbers haven't really shown me any trajectory one way or the other yet. They've pretty... Other than the debut on TNT, they've pretty much been at that 800K mark consistently. Week after week since airing so nothing they've done has really like blown the roof off the place yet as much as they're trying and they are trying but we'll see what happens as we go into the new year because again i want to give them time they're figuring stuff out let's give them time to figure it out let's have this conversation six months to a year from now that's a good it's good to point it out now but yeah. uh you know and say okay these are things they need to fix and now we can look at it in six months and see how they're done yeah exactly yeah. thanks thanks andy next up indie gal we all know that matches against The Fiend leave his opponents changed. In what ways will Debry change? Also, please fantasy book Fiend-induced changes to the following Randy Orton, Roman Reigns, Drew McIntyre, Woken Broken Matt Hardy. <laughs> Woken Broken Matt Hardy has already, uh, already kind of been done. He yep. was the one who did it to Bray Wyatt, and also he's out of WWE. Yep. Uh, Drew McIntyre would love to see him fully become a psychopath and stop like just going out there and talking and just basically be a Terminator, a true Terminator. Um. Roman Reigns, unfortunately, I think would ultimately end up being like Cena versus Wyatt at WrestleMania 30, where you're trying to turn him evil and he would just turn back into Super Reigns and everything would be fine. Uh, Randy Orton, he'd turn him back into 2007. Uh, Randy Orton, he'd be and Randy Orton would be back there giving penis handshakes to all the writers and uh, cheating on his girlfriend and or wife and uh, getting hit for PEDs. Mm. Uh, how will Daniel Bryan change? Was that the was that the original question? I just went off on a little yeah. The fiend. Fantasy in book what ways there. will Daniel Bryan change? Um, obviously, he's going to have less hair. I think. I think that's the implication. Yeah. Um, I would love to see Daniel Bryan come out as like the fiend's apprentice or accomplice. You know what I mean? Like come out shaved, to totally shaved, bald, no beard, no hair. Comes out like 
Brian Danielson or like early Daniel Bryan, you know, Nexus Daniel Bryan. Uh, and he's just like evil machine. Yeah. How he's kind of been up until now, like very few, like little, exp- like no expressions, little to no expressions, um, comes out and is just like a Matt tactician, tears people apart. Just a drone. Yeah. And yeah, at, at, he's, he's a puppet at the fiends command or even Funhouse Bray. I think there's more to Funhouse. I week to week. I'm more energized about Funhouse Bray than I am the fiend. The fiend is kind of like a one trick pony, right? Might be an unstoppable force, but look at what all, everything Bray's doing with Funhouse Bray. I love that even how Funhouse Bray was like, you can train yourself not to feel pain. Like as if he explained away, he explained why Fiend is invulnerable. Like, uh, good stuff. Yeah. Um, and if you if you had basically like demon Daniel Bryan, not literally like like Finn Balor, right. but like same kind of idea where yeah. he's just like you said, evil puppet Daniel Bryan. Mwah. Give it to me. Sheriff And McDonald's. then that way, sorry, just real quick, then that way you have like a, a one layer between everybody and Bray Wyatt. Now they have to go through Daniel Bryan to get to Bray Wyatt, and that would be pretty cool too. Sheriff McDonald has, is obsessed with the idea that the Fiend's power is in the mask and that at some point somebody's going to get the mask off and it's just gonna, he's just going to turn back into Funhouse Bray and beg off and be vulnerable. And I, I think that would be cool, but it's going to be the, it's got to be the end thing. Like it's got to be Roman Reigns at WrestleMania that gets the mask off somehow. It's got to be a big effing deal. If you're going to do that, you know, I, I would have held off on doing that for a, anything with the fiend. They, like we've said, they just keep it in your pants, but they haven't. I was keeping the hell away from Roman Reigns is all I exactly. ask. Keep him, keep him the hell away. You're just going to bury him Reigns. for a Superman punch. Jesus Christ. You know? Don't do it. So, yeah. Thank you very much, Indy. Oh, she snuck one, one more tiny question. What am I supposed to get about Kenny Mega from his Tron? Thanks. He loves Japan. Yeah, he loves anime he and is, video games. He is alone in Japan. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot. What are you supposed to get from anybody in AEW from their Trons? There's a lot of haphazard Trons, yeah. uh, I feel. Some that are on the, on the nose. Yeah. What do you get from uh, Moxley's Tron? It's a lot of black and white footage of barbed wire fences and dogs barking. and. I mean, that's... It's kind of my, it's more it's more relevant to him than his Tron was in WWE, where it was it's a spinning thing. He's crazy. It's a spinning thing. The lunatic fridge. Yeah, which is even then that was more relevant to him than Seth's. Why is Seth's static and fire? What is he burning down exactly? What? Who is he? Okay. Yeah. I, we're not not going down that rabbit hole no. again. No. Thank you very much, Indy Gal. Next up, Esme Esmeralda. Uh, she just asked if she could change her question. She's in the chat right oh, now, God, okay. and she said uh, she would like to change her question. Can I do that? All right, we'll come back to you. Uh, yeah, go ahead and post it in the chat. We'll come back to you, Esme. Uh, we'll do uh, Sean next up. We get Nick's fantasy booking. Are we going to get Ian's? <laughs> so give me your top three to push in 2020 for AEW, Raw and SmackDown, and NXT. So basically mm. AEW, main roster, WWE, and NXT. What are your top, top three, to three to push? Male, male and female, um, Raw, uh, Ricochet, Drew McIntyre, and oh, trying to think who else is on Raw right now. I'm gonna be mad if you leave your boy out. My Alberto Carrillo. I, I he was sitting there like on the side. I'm like I, I'm hanging on to him, but I've got already got kind of got Ricochet going on. Yeah. Um. No, no more room for White Ranger, huh? <laughs> 
No, I'm I'm just I'm like, do I give some do I give it to him or do I get somebody else? Yeah. Just making sure. Um I mean, because you know, there's Kevin Owens. I'd want to see a real push for Rusev. Like, not this crap they're doing. Um, you know, here's the thing. The, okay, here, here you go. I would actually say Drew McIntyre, Ricochet, and Andrade because Umberto's got plenty of time. He's young. We can build him. Who do you really push? Andrade. He's ready. He's ready to go right now. Has so, been for a year, frankly, mm-hmm. if I'm being yes. honest. Push, push that man. Push that man. <laughs> Pay that man uh, his money. Pay that man his money. Uh, as far as SmackDown, who do I push? Um, I don't know. I'm not. SmackDown's roster does not blow me away. Yeah. In terms of like, and, and more, I should say, like, I feel like everyone's kind of in the position that they really should be. Nakamura is the IC champ. They're just not really doing everything I want them to be doing with him, but he's in the right position. Um, Gable and Ali are at least out there getting looks. If not getting huge pushes, that's fine. Um, Roman's at the co- top of the card. No shock there. Um, the women's division over, like, I, uh, you know, it's tough because all the women I would want to push her on Raw, like push Asuka. I'd push Asuka to the freaking moon. But there's no one on SmackDown, the women's division, that I'm like, you got to push her. I, maybe Sonya Deville. I'd push Sonya Deville more than she's getting pushed. I think she's got a lot of potential that there are people there's not working with. Um, but there's not really anybody else on Smack like Daniel Bryan. I want to Daniel Bryan and, and Bray and what's going on there is already happening. So yeah. I'm not too mad at that. Uh, NXT, who would I push the crap out of? Uh, Io Shirai. Yeah. Um, they're already starting to push the shit out of Keith Lee, which is what we've wanted for a while. So just continue with that. Um. And I'd love to see a Kyle O'Reilly solo run, but at the same time, I, I cannot be mad at what they've done with him so far. Kushida, push the shit out of Kushida. Give, pe- give people a lot of Kushida. I don't, think they, I don't think people understand yet what that guy can do. Push the crap out of that man. Um, you, you're starting to build back up that uh, cruiserweight division, making it more relevant, making it mean something. If you had Kushida in a match against Leo or Angel Garza, you'd have a classic right there. Oh, yeah. So mm. those are my NXT. Did you do AEW? I don't suppose that I did. Who would I uh, push out, uh, push an AEW? Um, I think they're pushing all the right people so far. Yeah. Moxley should be the top, uh, along with Kenny Omega, Pac. Like everyone who's everyone is in kind of the right place. There's no one I feel is not in the right place in AEW. I don't like what they're doing with the Lucha Brothers in terms of their characters. Um, I think they're doing the wrong things with them. But everyone else I kind of feel is in the right place. I really don't have anyone in AEW that I that I would push over anybody else with where they're at with everything right now. I can't really complain about their booking right now in AEW. If it wasn't clear last week, uh, we're very high on Chris Statlander. Uh, but I feel like she's getting that push. She's she's a she's on the precipice of getting that push. I think she's about to explode. Yeah. Um, I think she's going to win that. Uh, she's got that match on Dark, and if she wins, she's number one. She's got to face Britt Baker for number one contender. So I have a feeling she's going to get that push, man. Yep. I think Britt had a really chance do. this summer and has kind of squandered. It's just not worked out. Whether she squandered it or 
whatever. I think just, they're going to do something else with her. They're going to do something else with her. That's sure, what I feel. Sure. Um, for me, it'd be bronze, and I'm just going to do main roster WWE. I don't have three and three on each one. It, like so, big boys, right? I love my big boys. <laughs> Nick lacks big sweaty man. I, I'd like to. I'd like Braun Strowman to actually have a real legit feud slash program for a major title i got really excited at the idea of him taking the intercontinental title off of shinsuke nakamura here recently and until he got injured so we'll see what if that can circle back around once he gets back and healthy but yeah i'd love to see that dude have a a big program hint hint wink wink Ah, um ah. i agree with you on drew mcintyre he's ready he was ready the moment he stepped into the main roster of wwe that dude was an NXT champion. And by God, he looked great with it. And so Andrade took it off of him, hurt his bicep, and we he just showed up one day as a psycho Scottish heel. He's the Scottish psychopath. Oh, I God. feel like he had to work his way back into Vince's graces or something. Like he's got to reprove himself sure. or something. I don't know what the hell they're thinking. <laughs> that like we we're talking on the main show today about Kane and Luchasaurus, people who can just stand there. They're giant, just beasts of human beings and they just capture you when you look at them. drew drew is exactly like that yeah. with um, how he's built his body yeah and i'd love to see oscar return back to prominence i mean duh just duh. i want yep. her to be in this heel form i want her to stay evil kana like i, I mm-hmm. want that with the the paint and the poison mist and all of that stuff i want that to be hers and i want her to just Have- absolutely run rough shot over the entire women's division yeah, and she doesn't have to be like the unstoppable, unbeatable Oscar from NXT because they've done that, and I understand that they don't want to repeat history, but at the same time, you can have her be more fearsome and not use the mist every damn match. Yeah, sure. Now, I don't want it to be the thing. I don't want it to be her finishing move. I want you it to don't be want the her thing to be that she uses uh, when she's getting beat down and she can't get an edge. She uses that. It triggers it somehow like that, right? So, yeah, it can't be become tropey like a finishing move or a um, uh, whatever, a specialty move. Uh, for AEW, I'm gonna go. I agree with you mostly. Everybody's kind of where they need to be. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm I'm at this point where I'm going. Darby Allen. I feel like he's already getting there. I feel like he's getting the push. He's like right Moxley, where he should be. He's about to team with Cody. He's at already the there. Absolute yeah. Top. Chris Statlander, I'll throw in there is mine. Just right there is and, you know. And you know what? As much as Orange Cassidy is divisive and controversial, like I feel like they're doing with him what they should be. Not too much of him. Just enough to be fun. Not so much that you're like, oh my God, so much Orange Cassidy. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like, they're kind of doing all that stuff pretty well. Yeah. Again, my only my only grief is the uh, Lucha Brothers and the women's division as a whole. Yeah. So. I agree with you on the definitely on the women's division. So. Yep. Um. All right. So what am I? Uh, NXT. Yeah. Again, everybody's kind of where they should. Where's Johnny Gargano? I know he's hurt, but I mean, what's he's he, heard. He's heard. Yeah, guess, he's going to come back. Let a few me ask the Finn. question a different way. What's he going to come back to? I mean, he could come back to a Finn champ who took him out. He could reform DIY. There's a lot he could do when he yeah. comes back. Um, so we'll see what happens with him. But as far as who should get pushed, obviously Keith Lee's getting that push right now. Um, I would um, one honorable mention, Buddy Murphy. I'd love to see Buddy Murphy. Oh, just get- Alistair and Buddy. Like both Jesus of those God. guys are like a perfect matchup. So I want to see them do something cool, but they're probably going to get relegated to the pre-show. Let's see what happens in 2020. I, but hot take, yeah, I don't want to see Alistair Black on the main roster anymore. 
They obviously don't know what to do with him. Bring him back to NXT. Wow. Bring Alistair back to NXT and push him there. Wow. Done with them on the main roster. They obviously, they, the, every fear that I had about him being on the main roster has come true. Uh, every nervousness I had about Vince not understanding him has come true. They do not understand him. They don't understand his presentation. They don't understand his character. They don't understand what makes him cool. Uh, they don't understand his strengths. They, they kind of do. They're keeping him as like a striker, scary guy. Like, all right, so you get that part. Everything else, like, they're, they're bungling him. Bring him back to NXT. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Jackson Riker. Oh, stop it. <laughs> Come on. That was just a wind-up. Legit, Be though. Be serious. I, the, the tag team division is a little bit sparse in NXT right now. I would like to see the Forgotten Sons be taken a little bit more seriously because we need it. It's, it's needed. So My phone just yelled at me. I said, be serious. And my phone just started screaming at me, I am Siri, but I am serious. You don't call me Shirley. Wait, well, shut up, <laughs> Apple. God. God, you got Dog Ziggler and Siri over there. Just tell you. Dog Ziggler's being very good today, aren't you, boy? Yes. Oh, uh, well, thank you very much, Esme. Uh, no, that was uh, Sean. Hey, we got to go back to Esme's question, which was. With all the horror stories that come out of WWE from wrestlers and staff, plus the declining product restrictions and work schedule, why do wrestlers still want to go there? Money. Money and consistency. They, are, they still pay. And it's funny because um, if, if you read Meltzer, he actually talks a lot about, relatively speaking in the sports world, how little percentage-wise the wrestlers get from the company. They get less than 10%, like around 6 or 7%, whereas NFL players get half of all the revenue in the NFL. Uh, NBA players get 49% of all the revenue in the NBA. MMA, between 18 and 20% of all the revenue goes to the fighters. WWE, it's, it is in the single digits of all the revenue from WWE goes to the wrestlers, and yet they are still the best-paid wrestlers in the world on average. Um, the only place that comes close is New Japan. And they build massive followings on social media, which leads to promotions, opportunities, and sponsorships, and uh, endorsement deals, and all kinds of That's a of new stuff. thing that they're allowing them to do is Triple H. And actually, I saw an interview with, I think it was Matt Bloom and Triple H talking about how in the PC, they're not just preparing them for their life in the WWE, but post-WWE. Yep. How to build a brand for yourself that then can last outside of the WWE. You can have stuff afterwards. Xavier Woods is someone who really preaches that, where he's creating his own stuff outside of WWE and, and if he ever leaves or has to retire he's got something to fall back on yep. um, the exposure in WWE is unlike anywhere else if you're in the WWE you're being seen by millions of people even if so you're not on that, TV even if you're not on TV millions of people will still know of you so the reason that they still go there is they're just leveraging that access to those millions of people and the, the money and the consistency uh against a schedule where you've got to grind all the time to get those indie dates. Even if you work for someone like Ring of Honor, you still have to grind to do those shows. They don't do as many. The, the contracts are nowhere near as big. They're, they're minuscule. Um, you know, they're, they're, we're talking like $55,000 for their top stars kind of thing. Yeah. Would anybody um, know who John Moxley in AEW was? Some dude in jeans and a leather vest if we hadn't watched The Shield for five years, six years? In I think... In WWE. More so, Nick. More so, Nick. Would anyone have get, would would Sean Spears be as big of a deal? Do you know that's what I mean? Like that's more of the, example. He was he was a, a enhancement guy at best in WWE, a journeyman, and now he's a guy that comes out in AEW. And right off the bat, when he came out in that that Rumble, everyone was chanting for him. 
He turned on Cody. He he was able to become a big deal because he had that cachet from WWE. Just being a minor WWE star, Cody coming out as a relatively minor WWE star automatically had cachet on the indies. Yeah. So, um, you you spend time in WWE. It does look really good on your resume. It can help you build money. And the people that are just sitting there and catering are still picking up six figure checks just for hanging out and catering. And and for some people, you know, if you're living in a three-bedroom house in nowhere, Wisconsin, you can make a damn good living on just sitting and catering, making six figures. Yeah. So I can see why that would be something that you get to travel the world. You're constantly on the road. I can, I'm one that can attest for the <clears throat> glamour uh, <laughs> of road life. It's not glamorous at all. You do it for 20 years, you're set for life, though. There you go. So... You know, you look at a guy like Heath Slater. That guy's going to do it, and he might he might actually be able to transition into being a road agent for WWE and have a peaceful life the rest of his life. You know what I mean? Like for some people, that's fine. Yeah. And you know, for all of us that are sitting here on the sidelines, going, "Why don't you push them more?" Maybe they just don't care, and they're happy with where they're at. Maybe and they're that's fine maybe they're in too. the back eating Otis's Christmas spiral cut ham. You know, I would I would have picked that crap off the floor and eaten it. I'm hungry right now. Yeah, me too. Even thinking about it. Yep. Oh. I, I now I now know I'm going to go get ham for Christmas dinner this year. I now know. According I'm, to Cartman, that's what Christmas is all about in the first place. Presents and ham. Uh, ham. In the spirit of Christmas, you know what I'm talking about. Uh, thank you very much, Esme. I do want to call back to one thing Sean said that I didn't get to uh, in his question. Cheers to a solid 2019 and a skeptically optimistic 2020. Looking forward to where <laughs> the show goes and the endless possibilities for you guys. Thank you very much, I don't have much, any booze on me right now, but I'll cheers you with my big kool-aid cup of water thank you sean next up will with some of the wwe stars receiving releases as of late do you think wwe already thinks aew won't be competition given the ratings lately and are not worried about their releases making any significant impact seems like the no fire rule that was referenced all year is going away it's not that was a no fire rule it's like let's try to avoid it if we can because yeah. they know it's going to happen at some point yeah. it's just going to um, and all the people that were released, except for Ascension, I believe, requested their releases. Correct. Luke Harper so they were requested. Like, like, Car requested. Me out. Yeah. And and Luke still. I mean, he. We knew he was going to be out at this time. Like we were talking about when he first said, "I want out." In like around WrestleMania. Yeah. It was like right after WrestleMania, and he was like, "I'm screwed because I'm stuck with them until November or so, and then I've got a 90 day no compete." Didn't he get so hurt he during the, the Bludgeon Brothers thing, and that that ruined that and. I can't remember exactly. I think how it, it, no, it was Rowan. Out. It was Rowan who got hurt. But okay. at any rate, the bottom line is is that you know Luke's basically going to wait nearly a year from first saying I want out to finally getting out. So he's done the time to get out of this contract. Yeah. But um, at the same time, I think WWE still is trying their best to not release guys. But some people are just going to fall through the cracks. I don't even think it's about uh, being worried, like being worried or not worried about AEW. They see them as competition, but it's a limited amount of competition. It's not like AEW is going to bury WWE, at least not right away. And it's not like Luke Harper is that big of a piece if we're just singling him out. Um, so I, if they can't afford a whole bunch of Moxleys, I'll put it that way. Yeah. And if you see a whole bunch of people heading for the hills that are on the level of Dean Ambrose, multiple-time uh, you know, heavyweight champion, multiple-time IC champion, longest-reigning U.S. champion, like people who've held a bunch of belts. He was a Grand Slam pushes. champion. If you start losing those guys, if you start losing uh, Seth Rollins's or Drew McIntyre's on the regular, 
then I would say then WWE should be worried or, or they're making bad business decisions. You lose a guy like Luke Harper who spent nine months trying to get out of your company, it's just going to happen. Yeah. Um, I suspect that they're still doing their best to retain all of their bigger stars, especially after seeing what happened with Moxley. Yep. Yep. Thank you very much, Will, for the question. Uh, Josh, you each have an hour interview with any... I love this question. You each have an hour interview with any wrestler of your choosing, past or present, dead or alive. Who do you each choose and why? God, how do you not choose Ric Flair for this one? Um... Do you choose anyone else but Ric Flair, <laughs> Nick? <laughs> yes. Who do you choose? I'm going back to trying to think about who sort of the godfathers of wrestling would be, like a Bruno or a Harley Race or even Vince Sr. And like understanding... Luthez or... Yeah, uh, Gagne, uh, Vern yeah. Gagne, or just... 70s guys that really like Buddy Rogers. What we know of modern wrestling today really started in the late 70s and early 80s, and kind of it's been a like a 30 to 40 year run there. But yeah, the guys that were really Vince Vince Senior, mm. Vern Gagne, um, Harley Race, Bruno Sammartino. I'm not talking about the superstars themselves. The guys that were, I mean, I would want, I would love to sit down for an hour with any of those guys and just go, how'd you guys do it? I'll throw I'll throw someone out there, someone who had an insane career, went all over the place, um, Japan career, uh, huge career here in America, started up a, some, a couple different federations that were like built on his back. And that's man whose shirt I'm wearing right now. That's Terry Funk. Yeah, I'd love to see. I'd love to do an hour long Terry Funk interview. That oh, would Dusty be would be brilliant. Just to get into that guy's head for an hour. Mm-hmm. Sure, absolutely. I mean, absolutely. like so many so many modern wrestlers today have had the pleasure. Most of them in developmental have had the pleasure with working with Dusty uh, over the Even, last you know, ten years or so, so. You mentioned Vince Senior. I, Vince McMahon, Vincent Kennedy McMahon, would be a fascinating interview. I do. I wouldn't believe a word he said. Oh, that's why I didn't say. But yeah, <laughs> but I'd be fascinated. His to, dad to, was against the unification of the territories nation. Of course, he was because he wanted to keep his own little fiefdom and everything. But Vince Vince Junior saw the bigger picture. But it was also that was Omerta, man. You didn't do that. You yeah. didn't go against your boys. Yeah, like that was that was a that was you know that was. You talk about uh, who was it? It was um, uh, Abraham. It was Abraham Castillo last week who said uh, something about like who, you know the Godfather, yeah. right? That was Vince McMahon was Michael Corleone. He went out and killed all the other families and unified all the families under himself. Like that is the most godfather thing that you can like unless you go to the mafia, that's the most godfather thing that's happened. He made them an offer they couldn't refuse. Well, he did. Yeah. He bought them all up. He destroyed them and he bought them up. He bought their TV time, took their market, and and ate them up. That's what he did. So yeah. <laughs> that that would be fascinating to just talk to him. Just about that era. Yeah, how'd that you know? go? To, yeah, exactly. That that time period, of specifically in the mid '80s, where yeah. how did you? What was the early memories that you have of conspiring against your father to buy out his company? <laughs> when did you get the idea? Yeah. To, to when go did you decide to buy out one. your father's company? <laughs> well, my father said never be a performer and never buy out the other companies. And at some point, I said screw that to both of them. He like he's, he's <laughs> nope. I'm gonna do everything my dad told me not to do. No, I think I'm before bang, bang blondes, yeah. 
before that's, Vince that's came around, I would want to talk to all the guys that like preceded him, mostly because it's before my time. But and I would would I would want to understand like how we molded this because a lot of it is Vince, uh, Vince Jr. But a lot of it it was also set in motion with the territories and things that were going on in the seventies and eighties uh, before Vince bought out his daddy. So, yeah, that would be mine. Uh, several of them in there actually. Uh, any other ones you want to throw in there, Sir Ian? Davis? I've I've heard some interviews, uh, some shoot interviews with Rowdy Roddy Piper, and he never got enough. To, he never got time enough to do enough of those. But that guy had some stories. Mm. Good lord! I've actually been watching some. Um, uh, like I, you know, you, you go online sometimes, and and you see like on YouTube, they're now a lot, a lot of these guys are having. Um, excuse me. A lot of these guys now are getting out there and doing shoot interviews because they're finally allowed to. Um, and it's really fun to see that, uh, some of the guys that, uh, that have been getting out there and talking about it. So I wish, I wish I'd heard Rowdy Roddy Piper. Um, yeah, a good example is, is Moxley himself when he left WWE going on Jericho's podcast and telling that story. I remember being so blown away by a lot of that stuff that, that we talked about. It was kind of a revelation, revelation and a look inside the business a little bit, um, so yeah, that's I'd, I'd love to hear more about inside the business. Um, this, uh, thing, Shane Shane Douglas has a bunch of good stuff on there right now. Oh yeah, uh, Chris Van Van Vliet doing all of his interviews uh, yeah. that are fantastic with a lot of superstars. Um, either you just can't tell whether they're in character or not sometimes. Or if you want to go straight to hell, go watch a shoot Sabu interview. No, don't do that. <laughs> oh God, woof. Thank you, Will, for the question. Um, oh, I'm sorry. No, that, that was, was Josh. Josh. That, that was, was Josh. Josh. Yeah. Last but certainly not least, uh, Brandon. Oh, we had two more. We got two more. We have two. What? Right? Did no. you say we had one added on at the end? No. Oh, I sent it to you. It's this one. Brandon's question. Darby Allen's ceiling in AEW. What is it? Well, didn't, didn't uh, Darby's ceiling in AEW? Champ. Heavyweight champ. That guy could go all the way. If he keeps going the way he is, the audience keeps connecting to him the way that they have been, you could strap him yeah. in, a, in a year or so. You absolutely could. Um, one of the very few smaller guys I think you could do that with. I think he's one of the ones that could go up. Once Cody and MJF work their shit out, I think Darby might get to MJF before, or if not before, immediately after uh, Cody. Now that we've seen Darby come out and sort of align with Cody uh, after this week, I have a I, feeling the AEW is going to treat their championship the way that uh, New Japan does, where it's a very select group of people that get I'm it. I'm not talking about the championship. I'm talking about the ring. The the oh oh oh, oh yes oh for for sure yeah Darby and MJF for sure. I can get behind that. But yeah, I yeah. agree. It's the sky's the limit for for Darby Allen. I don't you know there are no like big insurmountable super dudes in AEW yet. Like Luchasaurus, you could put in there, but that's. I'm talking about like a Braun Strowman. There's not a there's see, not a monster in yeah. AEW, and yet. I don't see Luchasaurus as champ, and no. that's just because of his gimmick. No. To be honest with you, but Darby with his gimmick, I uh, I see him I see him being champ. That could be some big inroads for the hot topic crowd, if nothing else. Yeah, which is you know they need to get more teens watching that show. Yeah, so that could he could definitely be it. You were right. We do have one more. Uh, Austin snuck one in at the last minute. Uh, hey have, guys, have, oh. still in love with this podcast, just like Baron Corbin loves dog food. You dump it on your enemies? What? Not sure I understand. Okay. Thank you, he for loving, thank you for loving the podcast. I'm not sure the analogy, yes. though. Very happy. <laughs> yeah. Baron Corbin loves dog food. Yeah. 
Anyway, I've been watching the old NXT takeovers and the Demon Entrance with Jack the Ripper may be my new all-time favorite. Oh, it's so sick. Wonder what your guys' most impressive entrance is, the one that you didn't see coming that wowed you. Uh, The Fiend. Fiend, man. The Fiend. 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 I lost my shit with the lantern thing. I had no idea what it was. It was this blue glow, and I'm like, what is this? What's happening? I will say I don't like the the constant of the lights, that just thing. Just... Give me the one big Viking horn sound that pong that just it, it just echoes throughout yeah. everything. Make that his glass shatter, Boo. for lack of a better word. Just, yeah, just, uh, there's yeah. a there's one big horn, a brown note, <laughs> pong that just happens <laughs> and just kill the, the lights. Comes out and everyone poops themselves. Yes, yes. Oh, um, yeah. Uh, most impressive entrances. <sighs> it's kind of subjective. I mean, what do you what do you determine well, as we- impre- impressive? Right, we we've had Cody a couple- right now has one of the most impressive entrances just because there's it takes forever and there's a ton of pyro. So usually it's funny because a lot of times on main roster, at least these days, and we could go back and talk about like old OG entrances and people who had fantastic entrances back in the day, and there's a lot of those, you know. Um, but th- these days, they don't often have, quote, special entrances unless it's WrestleMania, which means, of course, I have to call out Rusev on a tank because mm. Rusev on a tank. Yeah. Um, you know, and, they, and they've had a bunch of great all-time great entrances at WrestleMania. Um, <laughs> I still, like, I, I chuckle every time I think about, like, Shawn Michaels and his angel entrance versus the Undertaker's devil entrance. Ooh. Undertaker coming out with all the hands coming up from the ground. Um, that's an all-time great. But like, uh, uh, if we're talking about one-off entrances that surprised you because uh, you hadn't seen anything like it before, NXT is doing it a lot, and uh, New Japan does it at their big shows too. Wrestle Kingdom, they have big entrances. Marty Skrull at Wrestle Kingdom 12, where he came out with the wings. Like he comes out, he turns on the wings, unfurl, and he's got the mask. Oh, that, that was a sick one. Um what other like special one-off ones? The Viking Raiders had a really sweet one. Oh, Drew McIntyre with the with the uh, pipes the, the in pipers, NXT. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Shinsuke Nakamura with the violinist. Um, I'll throw a nod, to, a hat tip to Triple H with the Terminators. I, I thought that was pretty cool. I hated the Terminators one. Eh, Damn it. Eh. He's had some good ones, but the Terminators one was not one of my favorites. I like Terminator. I know you do. <laughs> I know you do. <laughs> Terminator. <laughs> um. Uh, what other really cool ones were? Well, Shawn Michaels coming out of the, out of the roof at WrestleMania is an all-time great. Um, and yeah, Balor with the demon entrance. I mean, who doesn't? Yeah, love that's, that? how we, that's, how we, that that's how we. That's how we. That's how we started. Just oh, and you know it's coming. Just oh god, oh god, it's the demon. It's the demon. What other? I'm just. I'm off the top of my head. I'm trying to come up with great entrances. Uh, 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 uh. What about some women? Uh, give it. Let's give a nod to the ladies. What are some of the best women entrances? I mean, we don't have a lot to pick from there, though, Nick. No, that's the problem. Is they don't. We don't have the kind of epic entrances. Um, even Charlotte with like all her pomp and circumstance at WrestleMania. You know. I think Oscar yeah, I mean, when no, she no, debuted. That's a challenge. When Oscar debuted and it was just the mask up on the screen, we all kind of lost our shit. Like, but oh my god, yeah, finally. Her, de- her debut entrance was sick, but it was because of 
you know, it was like it was finally Asuka yeah. on the main roster. The anticipation, yeah. Yeah, it wasn't the entrance itself. It was her. And they did a fine job with it. But I, I like AJ's. I think AJ's like, entrance itself is phenomenal. It's it's hit or miss for me. And I'm just going to let that pass because that was just low-hanging fruit there, Nick. <laughs> low-hanging fruit. <laughs> I Yeah, AJ's is fine. It never really flipped my wig, though. Um, I, I'm glad Pyro's back. Kane, Kane's always my dude when it comes to entrances with the we oh, slammed out the pyro. That's cool, but I'm I'm gonna I'll see your cane and raise you a Batista or a Goldberg. <laughs> oh God, the but okay Goldberg with the sparks. I walk for miles inside this pit oh, of danger. You just with the with the pyro going you're, off, you can't. Yeah, you can't. You're always sorry. a bigger fan of that than I was. Oh, I, I, I love it. You can't. You can actually. Yes, but <laughs> whatever. Oh God! You're not going to be happy until somebody comes out to a Gojira song, anyway. So that is 100 percent accurate. If anyone ever comes out to a Gojira song, I will mark the actual hell out. Gojira, my boys. Oh, that Silvera track would actually be a pretty good entrance. Now, the more I think oh. about it, oh, Art of Dying. Uh, okay, Toxic Garbage <laughs> Island. Come on, man. now we're getting silly. All right, Backbone. Thank you very much to all of the patrons for sending in all of your amazing questions today. Martin, don't worry. We didn't forget about you. We're putting that one on the back burner. That's a big, yes. big question. Uh, we tr Just as a general note, we try to stay away from those. We want to make sure that we're not turning any particular question into a giant bonus episode here on this series. So <laughs> well, try, also, to, we try only, to keep that in mind. You and I only have so Book much everything like for the year across all promotions. <laughs> Go. And it was... <sighs> Those Rename every wrestler. Yes. No, it's I, I, I get it. I get the excitement and I, I I it would be fun to do, but uh we're only human, man. Yeah, right. We're only human. Uh, I have to eat today, so at some point <laughs> I eating would be good too. This is all I've had is some water. Yeah. Thank you very much to the patrons, to all of you for getting all these questions in every single week. We hope you guys are loving this series. We certainly are, and uh, it gives us some extra great content on YouTube to uh, for people to listen to and listen through, get our That's perspective good. on things, and you know you get some fun stories out of the side of it. It's not always just our markery, right? So it's always a good time. Be sure you're following us over um, on Facebook and you're in the Busted Wide Open discussion group. You can also find us on Twitter and Instagram at BWO Podcast. We stream live here on YouTube every Tuesday at 8 p.m. Eastern and every Saturday at 3 p.m. Eastern, as well as doing this show uh, around 5-ish Eastern uh, for the patron mailbag. And we thank you guys for joining us. Make sure you're subscribed to the channel at YouTube.com slash Busted Wide Open and jingle that little notification bell so you get alerts. Uh, anytime we go live or put up new content. And if you'd like yes. to get in on some of this action for this show specifically, you can head over to patreon.com slash BWO and sign up for just that $5 tier. You'll also get copies of the show notes for every single episode. Just $5 a month, you get to participate and have your questions answered every single week throughout the month. Yes. Also, bonus episodes at the $10 tier, Skype calls, sweet swag, all kinds of good stuff patreon.com slash bwo and nick a quick announcement before we go we have to let everybody know we will be taking a small christmas break so if we are not here for all of our next few shows that's because it's the holidays and we just have to take some time off we will be doing our uh tuesday show coming up here uh on the 17th and then uh we will be off saturday the 21st and off christmas eve the 24th back on the 28th 
but we will be off again New Year's Eve on Tuesday the 31st. So that's our schedule. Don't worry. We will post in the Facebook discussion group. We will repeat it again. Uh, we will be taking a couple of shows off, and we appreciate your patience with that. It's the holidays, y'all. Holidays. Come on. Yeah, it's the holidays. Yeah. But we will be trying to keep you updated as much as possible. We will still be active in the groups and the Discord. Uh, but yeah, so off uh, off Tuesday the 17th. Excuse me. Oh, we're Tuesday the 17th. Off the 21st. Off the 24th. Off the 31st. But we'll be here the 28th for a big old Saturday show where we're re- recapping all the stuff we missed. Yeah, thanks, it's gonna be Calendar, for putting two major holidays on our stream schedule. Swear to God, oh, it's not Calendar. Stop. <sighs> Calendar's taking a shoot. Uh, guys, my name is Nick Howell. You can find me on Twitter at Data Center Dude. And I am Sir Ian Dangerous. You can find me on Twitter at Sir Ian Dangerous. But by God, would somebody stop the damn match? This show is part of the Orbital Jigsaw Network. For more episodes, subscribe to us on iTunes, Google Play, or Stitcher Radio. For details and show notes from each episode, check us out, orbitaljigsaw.com.